0: So last week, as you recall, we were having a picnic with Jesus, remember? There were 5,000 of us, not counting women and children. We all pulled up a patch of grass and plopped down tired and hungry, wondering where in the world we were going to get some food when Jesus, seeing our great need, manages to take our nothingness and turn it into something marvelous. Something so miraculous that the feeding of the multitudes is a miracle that appears in all four of our Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospel writers were basically screaming at us, you guys, pay attention to this. This one's important. It's a crowd pleaser. Which is why what happens in today's reading is a head-scratcher for us and for Jesus. The crowd has just watched as Jesus miraculously took five loaves of bread and two fish and fed thousands of people, 25,000 by most accounts. The very next day, these very same people, presumably, had hung around long enough because they wanted to see what might happen next with Jesus, so they tracked him down again And when they found him, almost immediately, they say to him, Hey, Jesus, we've been looking for you. So we want a sign that you really are God. What? (laughs) It's like that old joke about the guy who's stranded in the flood, and the boats keep coming by to save him, and he keeps saying, No, no, it's okay, God will save me. Then a helicopter comes and it drops down a rope and says, grab on. And the guy says, no, no, God will save me. And then when the man is literally drowning in the rising waters, he says, well, I just wonder why God hasn't come to save me. And God says, I've sent you boats. I've sent you a helicopter. What are you thinking? What more do you want? But I wonder if we spend so much time looking for a sign that God is with us that it blinds us to the glory of God all around us and within us. And then we feel this deep sense of longing for something and we don't even know what it is. We wander around looking for Jesus, just as the crowd did that day after the miraculous feeding of the multitudes, searching for Jesus, searching to be fed. People are craving something, and we don't even know what. People feel lost and alone, anxious, bored. We're depressed, fearful. We have lost our way as individuals, as citizens of the world, as people in relationships. There is a hunger in our souls, and we feed it with a steady diet of junk food, not realizing that ours is a holy longing each week we gather at the table we hear the words that take us back to the last supper that jesus shared with his disciples when he took the bread blessed it and broke it and said do this in remembrance of me remember me But remembering implies that there's something we've been forgetting. So what is it? What is it that we have forgotten about ourselves and about one another? What is it that we have forgotten that leaves us longing, wanting, and not even knowing for what? In the Celtic tradition, the Garden of Eden is not a place in space and time from which we have ever been separated. John Philip Newell, who's sort of a modern-day mystic, says that the Garden of Eden is the deepest dimension of our being from which we live in a type of exile. It is our place of origin, he says. Eden is home but we live far removed from it. In the book of Genesis, where we read about the garden, it is not destroyed. The garden is not destroyed. Rather, Newell writes that Adam and Eve become fugitives from the place of their deepest identity. It's a picture of humanity living in exile. I love that image that he creates, that Adam and Eve, you and I, fugitives from the place of our deepest identity no wonder we are constantly trying to fill ourselves with all number of earthly things we have this giant Garden of Eden sized hole and we keep trying to shove more into it more food more alcohol more experiences we are greedy trying to fill that hole up with things like celebrity and status and money and things. And then we look around and we say, well, why aren't I happier? Why aren't I satisfied? I'm doing all the right things. I'm really trying. Why does it feel like I'm still chasing rabbits? Or I have this great life. What's wrong with me? Well, there is nothing wrong with you. Not one single solitary thing. You have simply forgotten how perfect you already are. At the beginning of the Hebrew scriptures, the book of Genesis describes humanity as being made in the image and likeness of God. This is a fundamental truth in our faith everything else that is said about human beings in scripture needs to be viewed in light of this starting point. Again, John Philip Newell, the Celtic scholar, says the image of God is at the very core of our being, and like the garden, it has not been destroyed. It may have become covered over, he said, or lost sight of, but it is at the beginning of who we are knit together perfectly sublimely in your mother's womb the image of god is the very essence of being so often our quest for fulfillment is incompatible or rejects that essence altogether our souls are longing for something as pure and beautiful and holy as God's perfect creation in Eden. And we are feeding it a steady diet of potato chips and soda pop. Jesus promises us the bread of life, and we are both physically and spiritually eating things that make us sick. A few months back, I took a course on the Enneagram, which is a sp- spirituality personality test. It identifies nine characteristics, the nine beautiful ways that we are all beautifully flawed. And it was a great class, and hopefully we can get into the Enneagram sometime here at the chapel. Uh, but each day of the course, several times a day, we would meditate for 20 minutes, which is a little challenging for me, I'm not going to lie. And during each of these meditations, our instructor would say this, he would say, now, in his beautiful British accent, plunge down into the deepest part of yourself. Plunge inward. There's a deep sense of diving into a vast ocean, isn't there, when you hear the word plunge? And for some of you, that's lovely and freeing. And for some of you, that is frightening plunging headlong into an ocean for me scares the bejeebers out of me the one time that i went scuba diving i thought i was literally going to suffocate not drown mind you but suffocate from the oxygen tank it's not a, a happy freeing feeling for me to plunge and in the same way i think that plunging deep into ourselves can be frightening we are afraid of what we might find there But I think we should be thrilled at what we will find. We were created in the image and likeness of God. In other words, we were not created as flawed human beings. We have flaws, yes, but we've managed to do do that all on our own. God created us whole and perfect and knit us together in the very image of the divine. That's what you will find when you plunge into yourself. So that hole that you feel, that is your soul longing to be reconnected, reacquainted with the divine. Reacquainted with that which gives life to the world. Jesus said we have it within us because we have him. The bread of God gives life to the world, he said. Then, sir, give us this bread, always, the people answered. But what they didn't realize is that it's already theirs for the taking, or should I say, for the receiving. I am the bread of life. I am yours, Jesus said. Whoever comes to me, whoever believes in me, will not go hungry and will never thirst. The bread of life, that essence that sustains our souls makes us whole it provides an inner sense of peace and well-being despite what outside circumstances might be saying to the contrary the bread of life is constant it's not a one-time deal we can't go one time like you do to an all-you-can-eat buffet and say phew that was awesome don't need to do that again for a while Plus, I got a fortune cookie, so I'm good. <laughs> it's also not something that we can gorge ourselves on and store everything up for good measure and then revisit it only when we start to feel depleted. You know that feeling when you just fill yourself up on too much of a good thing, too many hamburgers, too much of the brownies, too much of the potato chips, whatever else you feel like eating at the barbecue, and then you say, Wow, well, I really need a salad. No, we go over and over and over and over again to Jesus to be fed. Give us this day our daily bread. In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, when the Israelites were exhausted and wandering in the desert, hungry and tired, starving really, they threatened to quit. They complained loudly against Moses. They said they should have just stayed put. They should have never left Egypt. At least in Egypt, if they died, they would die with full stomachs. At least they would have food there, they said. Here, here in the desert, they were going to die anyway. But now they would die hungry. And you may remember that God hears their complaining, and he rains down manna. This little pearl like bread, sweet bread substance. It's not a grand feast, mind you, but it's enough to live on and to sustain them day by day. The great writer and preacher Barbara Brown Taylor wrote Jesus reminds us day by day that we live because God provides not what we want necessarily, but exactly what we need some bread some love, some breath, some wine, a relationship with this ordinary-looking man who comes from heaven to bring life to the world. And if you are willing to look at everything that comes to you as coming to you from God, then there will be no end to the manna in your life. The miracle is that God is always sending us something to eat. God gives the true bread from heaven, the bread that gives life to the world. It's our choice to make, to receive it day by day. We feed our very souls with the word of God, with the brotherhood and sisterhood of community. We feed our souls with the gift of communion, that we might remember we feed our souls by serving and loving the least of these we feed our souls when we do what is right seek justice and walk humbly with god we feed our souls when we recognize the divine in all things you know these words O oh lord my god when i an awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. Our souls can't help but sing when they are properly fueled. Jesus is God's manna. In the wilderness, the good news is that that right there, that is the work that God demands of us: only to believe in the one whom God sent from heaven to give life to the world. To rely on Him, to place our trust in Him, to fill our bodies, our minds, and our spirits with Him, to fill our giant garden of Eden-sized souls with him. Our work is to believe and to remember and to daily choose this bread that comes down from heaven. So I invite you to pray with me now about that.